are gathering for worship. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in Christ will never die. The Lord makes a new covenant with us. We are God's people. The Lord is our God. Let us worship God. Our song um, is the, the tune Holy Manna, which goes... And um, if you are not already muted, I am quickly muting you um, and invite you to mute yourself if you would uh, do so. Let us sing together. Kindred will we meet for worship, reaching out through screen and phone. Though we dwell in isolation, we know that we're not alone. Worshiping beyond our doubt, far apart yet face to face, we're united as one body bound by Christ's redeeming grace. Friends, be gentle with each other. There's so much we're going through. May this be a time of healing, holding space for grieving too. Bodies, minds, and hearts are weary. Anguish fills the aching soul. But by God's unfailing mercy, broken hearts will be made whole. Sibling share a song of gladness, praising God and spreading cheer, so that in these days of sadness, praising God and spreading cheer, Please this time of misconfusion, sickness, loss, and overwhelm. Let's encourage one another and The proof of God's amazing love is this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Let us pray together. God of mercy, you sent Jesus Christ to seek and save the lost. We confess that we have strayed from you and turned aside from your way. We are misled by pride, for we see ourselves pure when we are stained and great when we are small. We have failed in love, neglected justice, and ignored your truth. Have mercy, O oh God, and forgive our sin. Return us to paths of righteousness through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Let us continue in silent confession. Dear friends in Christ, God's love has been poured into your hearts through the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Let us sing together. O Lamb of God most holy, who on the cross did suffer, and patience still and lonely, for self to scorn did offer, our sins by you were taken. For what had us forsaken, have mercy on us, Jesus. O Lamb of God, 
on the cross did suffer, and patience still and lonely, yourself to scorn did offer, our sins by you were taken, our hope had us forsaken, have mercy on us, Jesus. O Lamb of God most holy, who on the cross did suffer, and patience still and lonely, yourself to scorn did offer. All sins by you were taken, for hope had us forsaken. All peace be with us, Jesus. Again, our prayer for illumination. Gracious God, our way in the wilderness, guide us by your word through these 40 days and minister to us with your Holy Spirit so that we may be reformed, restored, and renewed through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Christian scripture comes from John 11th chapter, verses 1 through 45. A man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. This was the same Mary who massaged the Lord's feet with aromatic oils and then wiped them with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Master, the one you love so very much is sick. When Jesus got the message, he said, This sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's son. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. After the two days, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. They said, Rabbi, you can't do that. The Jews are out to kill you and you're going back. Jesus replied, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in daylight doesn't stumble because there's plenty of light from the sun. Walking at night, he might very well stumble because he can't see where he's going. He said these things and then announced, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to wake him up. The disciples said, Master, if he's going to sleep, he'll get a good rest and wake up feeling fine. Jesus was talking about death while his disciples thought he was talking about taking a nap. Then Jesus became explicit. Lazarus died, and I am, going to use, I, am go, I am glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. You're about to be given new grounds for believing. Now let's go to him. That's when Thomas, the one called the twin, said to his companions, come along, we might as well die with him. When Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already four days dead. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple of miles away, and many of the Jews were visiting Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them over their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Martha said, Master, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. You don't have to wait for the end. I am right now resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Yes, master. All along, I believe that you are the Messiah the son of God who comes into the world. After saying this, she went to her sister Mary and whispered in her ear, the teacher is here and is asking for you. 
After saying this, she went to her. The moment she heard that, she jumped up and ran out to him. Jesus had not yet entered the town, but was still at the place where Martha had met them. When her sympathizing Jewish friends saw Mary run off, they followed her, thinking she was on her way to the tomb to weep there. Mary came to where Jesus was waiting and fell at his feet, saying, Master, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Page two. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews with her sobbing, a deep anger welled up within him. He said, where did you put him? Master, come and see, they said. Now Jesus wept. The Jews said, look how deeply he loved him. Others among them said, well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man. Then Jesus, the anger again welling up within him, arrived at the tomb. It was a simple cave in the hillside with a slab of stone laid against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. The sister of the dead man, Martha, said, Master, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead four days. Jesus looked her in the eye. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then to the others, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he came out, a cadaver wrapped from head to toe and with a kerchief over his face. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him loose. Thank you, Bruce. Our second Christian scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew's gospel. And in reading it, we need to remember that um, while John, in his gospel, in the beginning of this reading, has um, has said that it is Mary, the sister of uh, Lazarus and Martha, who anoints Jesus' feet with oil, as she does in John's gospel. In Matthew's gospel, it is an unknown woman. And so uh, our reading today is from the 26th chapter of um, Matthew's gospel. And I invite you again to listen for the word of God. When Jesus was at Bethany, a guest of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him as he was eating dinner and anointed him with a bottle of very expensive perfume. When the disciples saw what was happening, they were furious. That's criminal. This could have been sold for a lot and the money handed out to the poor. When Jesus realized what was going on, he intervened. Why are you giving this woman a hard time? She has just done something wonderfully significant for me. You will have the poor with you every day for the rest of your lives, but not me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she, what she really did was anoint me for burial. You can be sure that wherever in the whole world the message is preached, what she has just done is going to be remembered and admired. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? O oh God, creator of heaven and earth, out of deep waters you brought us to birth, claimed us as children of wonder and worth, O oh God of deep flowing waters. Well, we've got two stories this morning, too, that. Um, from everything that we can tell, look so different. Excuse me. Look so very different. And truly they are. The story of the raising of Lazarus 
and the story of the anointing of Jesus really are two very, very different stories, but they are very similar as well. One begins with Jesus not being there, not only not being there, but staying where he was. Even when he was called, even when he was told that something was wrong, he says he's got a reason. He says it's all about God. So it's not about me. It's all about God. And that's the reason why I'm not going. And yet, when does Jesus decide to go? Only after he's gotten word that Lazarus has actually died. It's all over but the crying, pretty much. You're going to have to figure out how to see who's what there. And the great healing, that this great healer, this compassionate teacher, this... This Messiah that they have come to know and love, it's as if this God has just said, enough, I don't want to do this. It's really hard because then Jesus does decide to go. And even though the disciples say, oh, don't go because they're out to kill you there, he says, yes, we'll go now. We will go and we will see everything that's happened. And so he goes. Jesus goes and has conversation with the sisters. And they do the if stories. You know, if you'd only been here, Jesus, things would be different. If you'd only come when we called you, our brother would be alive. If, 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 if. And we know that if story. We play it ourselves all the time. You know, if I had only fill in the blank. For years, I remembered giving my father his nitroglycerin pills on the Sunday before he died. He called me into the bedroom and told me to get them out of the pocket of his shirt and give them to him. And not to tell my mother, because she would simply worry. And for years, because I was a good girl, I didn't tell mom. For years, I wondered if, if, if I'd only told her, if I'd only said something, if, if, if. And that's where the women are. If you'd only been here. If, if, if. And so Jesus says, in essence, do you love me? Do you love me? Sounds a lot like Tevya and Goldie in Fiddler on the Roof. Do you love me? And the women say, yes. And when the women are fully aware of who is there with them and the depth of their love one for another, that's when Jesus weeps. That's when the depth of his soul is so touched that that human piece of Jesus simply weeps. And that's the time for action. Jesus weeps and then he says, get up, it's time to go. And so they rush rush off to the tomb. And he calls Lazarus out. He calls him by name. He says, come on out now. All is well. And Jesus was present, actually present, 
when it was needed. Not necessarily to be stored up or to be hoarded, but when it was truly, truly needed. Needed by all those who needed the presence of Christ. So then there's the second story. The second story of the woman who anoints Jesus. And again, a different person according to, to Matthew. But there's a dinner that has been given for Jesus. And it was always the custom to for the host of the dinner to wash the feet of all the guests that were present for the dinner because let's face it they're all wearing sandals and it's all very dusty and so the polite thing to do is to wash their feet and we know on Monday Thursday in that story we tell of Monday Thursday of the Last Supper that's an important piece of what Jesus does and Peter at that point says oh oh, oh don't you can't wash my feet you are so much better than I am. You can't wash my feet. I should wash your feet. And Jesus says, unless you let me, you're not a part of all of this. And so we imagine that the host house washed the feet of the guests. And the guys are sitting around the table. And the gals are sitting around another table somewhere else. Because that's what happened. And a woman comes in. A woman comes in to where all the guys are laying next to the table and lounging and eating and probably laughing. And, you know, if I know Jesus, telling a joke that just kind of zinged them all. And a woman walks in with this jar full of expensive oil. The oil that they would use traditionally on the body of someone they were burying. And she breaks that jar and allows that oil to go over Jesus. The oil is used to keep the body from, from smelling or to at least stave that off for as long as possible. And that's where you have to love some things about the King James translation, because if we go back to that Lazarus story, um, when Jesus goes and says, hey, move the stone, because something's going to happen, they all look at him and say, he's been in the tomb for four days. By now he stinketh. <laughs> stinketh. So this oil is going over Jesus. She breaks the body and anoints him. And if you remember back, anointing was something that was done to, to set someone apart. David, as a shepherd in the field, is anointed to become the king. Anointing continues to happen. And indeed, that's where our tradition of baptism comes from. It comes from this understanding of being anointed with God in such a way that we are set apart. Hmm. He is baptized once again, this time for his death. The money could have been spent. You could have used it some other way. And Jesus says, stop. She's doing the best thing in the world because she's being present. So, yes, it seems a little odd to be preaching about being present. That spiritual discipline of being present in the midst of a quarantine in the midst of a time when we cannot be pres present with one another. 
But the messages contained in both of these texts are so important to us at this time. <clears throat> you see, showing up is sometimes the most important thing that we could ever do. It's so important because we know that we belong to God, because we know that God calls us into community, because we know that together we are more complete than we are alone. We still are together. In fact, at this point, we've got 32 participants uh, including some folks that we can't see um, with us this morning in worship. There is no one who can say we are not together. <clears throat> Much has been made in clergy circles and social media about what it means to be together. And the song of my childhood and some of your childhood uh, kept being sung this week. And I know you know it. I know you've heard it. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. The church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. The church is not a meeting place. The church is the people. I'm the church. You are the church. Together, we are the church. Two weeks into this flattening of the curve stuff, and we know that we cannot be physically connected, physically present to one another, and we miss the, the warm handshakes on Sunday morning, those claps on the back as we see one another, that hand on the shoulder or on our arm, we miss the hugs. We miss the social settings. I miss going to Panera after church on Sunday morning, Steve and Laura. I do. You know, it seemed like we solved all the problems of the world while we were there lunching together because we were in communion with one another. I really just miss the breaking bread with one another. So how do we, in the midst of a pandemic and the need for social distancing, it's not really social distancing, it's taking care of and protecting those in our community who are most vulnerable. It is not a, a horrible thing we have to endure, it is a blessed thing we get to do for everyone else. So what do we do? We amp up our prayer. We amp up that time that we spend thinking about and asking God to be present in remarkable ways with the people we know and love. Starting next week in the bulletin, I'm simply going to list two names of families in the life of the church. They aren't going to be people that are having a problem or you know, need extra prayer because of something. Simply two family names so that you can uphold those people during the week, especially in your prayer. Our presbytery does that on a regular basis. And, and we see it at the end of the, the blog on which week, what churches we're inviting people to pray for, what clergy we are asking for prayer. And it's something that other presbyteries have done as well. And in, in one, they would send a postcard to the, to the church at the beginning of the week. And I remember seeing that postcard every time and my heart being just a little more full 
knowing that someone else was praying for me. Consider the acts of compassion that you can do, the ones near and far. It was really kind of funny this week to see teachers uh, saying to parents, yes, teaching your children during this time is a wonderful thing, but don't go overboard because we really don't want you to kill them while they're at home with you. The teachers were saying, have compassion, be present with one another, and enjoy the time that you do have. And when we get outside of ourselves, that's when we can really see Jesus' presence, not only with us, but extended through us. We extend Jesus' presence, believing as Mary and Martha did, acting as the woman at the well did. There are so many things that we can get online nowadays. We can order our groceries. We can order our, our medicines. We can do all sorts of things. What would it mean for someone to get something they did not expect? Because when you ordered your stuff, you said, hmm, I think I'll order something for this person as well. That is taking Christ's presence into the world. Being concerned about those who have, but those who do not have, especially in this time. So dear friends, how this week will you go about making Christ present in your world? Amen. It's so good to see everyone, and and indeed, seeing everyone is so wonderful. Um, Carrie and I had the pleasure of uh, Friday night of seeing um, classmates of ours from our time in Richmond. Um, seven of us got together on a Zoom call and just touched base and agreed with one another that we would do it again this coming Friday evening as well seeing one another, praying for one another, and just sharing stories, including the laughter-filled stories of crazy things we did 30-plus years ago when we were in seminary. Um, so gathering together like this for our worship and our fellowship time truly is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, know that tomorrow we will send out um, another blast, uh, a Monday mailing, and um, so it will have uh, important things for you. Our worship and our, Thursday, our Wednesday evening uh, prayers are on a, um, now on a repeating basis. And so it's the same uh, login. We will post those on Facebook. They will be in the mailing. But know that um, at this time next week, the same login will get us into um, our meeting together because it's already been scheduled now into the future. So know that. Um, we will be gathering again this week uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for midday prayer on Facebook Live. Um, and as I've mentioned to some folks, I am having problems with my computer and Facebook Live. Um, so I've been doing that on my cell phone. It's been a wonderful thing. If there is um, if you would like to be a part of some of these things and don't have access to Facebook, let me know. Um, I will tell you, I should have made a note right at the beginning of things. I have forgotten to record um, and uh, record this. So actually, I just started the recording. Um, so this will be posted to Facebook as well. Um, I will make a note to write that down uh, on my uh, script for worship to make sure that we record um, every week. Um, stewardship reminds us of um, 
our financial commitments uh, to the church via our pledges and such, and hopes that you would remember to send things into the life of the church. And um, Ray and Betty Dietz have a minute for mission on one great hour share. Okay, Ray. Yes, Betty. Um, uh, for some reason, okay. Can can um can the rest of you see Ray and myself? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, I hope this uh, and many many years ago, Anne McKinney and I with Bertie Chesbrough, thought we were doing something short-lived. We were very naive. Anne and I dressed as the American Gothic, such as Ray and I are today. I even parted my hair in the middle. I will not do that again. Um, but... Uh, We thought that we, uh, Bertie was just beginning the food pantry. And we thought that it was a short term project that would care, uh, eliminate the need for a food pantry, that, that it was just a, a passing um, problem. And boy, were we wrong. The Presbyterian Hunger Program has been with us for many years. And it is part of the One Great Hour of Sharing. The, um, Lindsay did a beautiful job of introducing us to this year's One Great Hour of Sharing. And two weeks ago, Charlotte told us about Presbyterian Disaster Assistance, which again, is very active and out there uh, meeting the needs of people. The Presbyterian Hunger Program works to alleviate hunger and eliminate most ca uh, many causes, root causes. For many years, we at Hamilton Union have been a, a hunger action congregation in a way we've We've had the food pantry. We've done the crop walk. We're aware of with two cents a meal. And within the Presbyterian Church world um, nationwide, this past year, there were $925,000 worth of grants handed out to 113 different projects in 21 different countries, including the United States. This is the extent of hunger and try to eliminate the root causes. It is so sad that this still is a continuing issue. We have enough food. In the time of this pandemic, we go to the grocery stores and we see how panicked people are by taking so much off the shelves, which needs to be shared with those who honestly need them, especially the undocumented families that are in our area. And there are places that people can give food to help these families through during this time. These grants go out all over the place, but I'm what Ray is going to do is to give us some hands-on concrete uh, things that the Presbyterian Hunger Program is doing. And before she does that, in your envelope package, is the special envelope for one great hour sharing can be sent to the church. And uh, I think Charlotte Hasselbach is going to be sending out um, also some information about how that can be done online and sent directly to the, uh, the national church, giving uh, 
credit to the uh, Hamilton Union. So Ray, can you tell us a few um, specifics how this money is being used? Absolutely, Betty. Um, generally, they're helping seed banks and solar dryers that are built internationally. There are eight seed banks, and this is important because you you need different types of fruits and vegetables in different areas of the world. Um, 200,000, 200, 200 grams of vegetable seeds, which is a whole lot, uh, you think about that, have been distributed in India and Kenya and Palestine. There are over 325 farms and gardens that provide um, healthy foods to families in need. Um, 15 apiaries and 60 beehives, bee suits, and harvesting equipment provided in Cameroon. And honey is, is a wonderful sweetener preservative, but bees are very important for so many other things um, in the world and, and making sure that we have the food. So that's very helpful. There's direct food relief provided by 85% of the Presbyterian congregations connected to their hunger action advocates, including 325 animals provided to communities around the world, 946,000, I'm sorry, 946,000 pounds of fresh produce grown and prepared by U.S. grant partners, and in South Sudan, 135 hoes, 75 rakes, 75 spades, 75 watering cans, and varieties of seeds are distributed to 15 schools. Now, that doesn't sound like much, but you have to plant the seed to have it grow and hopefully these schools will take what they've learned and spread that wealth to other communities. That's just some of the things that um, Presbyterian Hunger Program does. Thank you, Ray. Here, while we're going through the pandemic, the schools, many schools in the area are open at noontime for families to go and pick up a new meal for their family. Again, people reaching out, helping each other. And I appreciate the photos that Kenny has sent us from Chituka Village of children having a meal that he is providing, that he is showing the families that having good nutrition will help them study, will help them remain healthy. Um, and I think that's the end of the Presbyterian Hunger Program Minute for Mission. And uh, as again, please be aware of this and, and send your contribution into the one great hour of sharing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ray and Betty, for sharing all of that with us. It's important for us to remember uh, what is happening outside of our community and across the world, especially in times like this. <clears throat> and this leads us into our offering this morning. And um, someone commented about uh, whether or not when I asked for uh, you to have paper and something to write with, uh, I met your checkbooks. And of course, uh, I met your checkbooks. Um, but I also um, had something else in mind. And that is that usually we ask you um, as a congregation to give your gifts to our God, to share those gifts that God has given to us. But in light of our conversations of this uh, Lenten season about spiritual disciplines, about fasting, about spiritual reading, about discernment and Sabbath keeping, and about being present, what are the gifts that you can share 
with the community. Those present, those in our larger community and those who are far away. And in a few moments of silence, I would invite you to write down um, what it is, what gifts that you are able to give. Let us pray. Indeed, O oh God, you have given us rich gifts. Gifts that we sometimes hoard. Gifts that we do not recognize. And gifts which go unused. Gracious God, during this time especially, bless and make present in our lives these gifts you have given us. That the whole world might know the presence of the Prince of Peace, our great healer, Jesus Christ. Be present, we pray. Amen. And I look forward, honestly, to that time when the Eberts girls and when the Hall girls and any other of our kids can on this, the last Sunday of the month, go running up and down the aisles collecting the noisy offering. Um, I'm sure that uh, you've got enough containers in your home to continue uh, putting aside that two cents a meal. Uh, for that next time that we gather together um, in, in joy and sharing at that point. Janice? Yeah. Yes, Darlene? This, yes, hi, everyone. Um, this question is for um, Bill Hazelbarth, and I think I read Wayne Goodnow. I know you're sponsoring the Crop Walk, right? So can I go online like I used to do? And And I know Mickey's name used to be in there, and I could make the donation online. Is that still, is, does Hamilton Union have a presence there is my question. And Bill, do you know something about this? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Um, I certainly could look into it. Uh, I don't know if Wayne's on this uh, Zoom uh, video conference or not, but uh, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm aware of what you're talking about. Darlene, but I am not familiar with the particulars, so I'll look into that. Okay, thank you. And I will say, Darlene, that um, that Mission has talked about it, but um, had not, you know, we're looking at another meeting to before doing that. Betty, you, you have something on that? Yes, uh, I was the one who contacted Wayne to see if he would help coordinate the crop walk and that somehow we would all just, if you see in the newsletter, just sign up to be part of um, the Hamilton Union uh, team. And even if the crop walk cannot take place because of, of the uh, pandemic, hopefully by May, the 1st of May, we can do that. Um, I had not thought any further than money's being given to Hamilton Union, you know, in the name of Hamilton Union Church and in the memo put down crop walk. No, the checks are to be made out to crop walk. 
or CROP. And uh, in the um, memo putting uh, Hamilton Union Church uh, team and either given, sent to the church or to be given to Rain or myself, I don't know how to do things online like that, darling. Well, um, you know what? Mickey probably knows because she's the one that guided me to it the last couple of years and her name was there. And then Hamilton Union, you know, got like the credit, so to speak, whatever the word credit means, the recognition, you know, uh, and it's just so much easier in these times now than mailing checks and we can't see each other. So it's really it was very easy to do. So, you know what? I'll ask Mickey because I'm sure she can give us guidance on that. And okay. we've got a couple of weeks uh, to, to work on this and get the word out. So, yes, that, you know, we, that will put that on the list of, of things. Thank you. Thank you. Let us come to God in prayer. Let us pray. Out of the depths, we cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear our voices and be attentive to our prayers. We pray for those whose hope is lost who feel dried up and cut off from you. By your grace, open their graves, bring them back to the land of the living. We pray for those who are oppressed, held captive by the power of death, release them from their chains, unbind them and let them go. We pray for those who weep, lost and lifeless in fear and regret. Grant them the peace of your presence. Show them what your love can do. We pray for those who are dying. The light of life fading in their eyes. Help them to believe in you so that they may live and never die. We thank you, O Lord, for having heard our prayers. Enable us to trust in you and thus to see your glory through Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life. We pray these things in the name of the one who came that we might see, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Hear us as we boldly join our voices as one. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, dear church, may the spirit of the triune God strengthen and sustain you all throughout these 40 days and into the life that is to come. Amen. And God's Amen. people said? Amen. Amen. Amen.